Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. No music, no intro. I apparently forgot my time zones for the first time (laughs) this evening. uh, We were supposed to be recording at 8, and Ryan's texting me like, uh, it's 8. Completely got lost in watching SummerSlam with my daughter. Uh, Another episode of Hashtag Saints Twitter podcast. We got Catherine Terrell of The Athletic joining us on this episode. Um, to just recap the first week of, of actual training camp. But before we get into that, I would I kind of want to say that I kind of want to pass the the torch of Ryan being the most all-time flake and pass that to Kat. Oh terms. no. <laughs> I knew I knew this is gonna come back up. <laughs> there it was the first time was at root. You were at the LSU Bama game, if my memory serves me correctly. Um, you're supposed to meet, it was me, Nick, Ramon, Darth Saint. That's the one that Ryan also flaked on. Wow. I don't <laughs> <Because>, remember that. <laughs> because he quote unquote had to, he was on call. And then the second time was when you, when you came out here for a preseason game or something. So I think, I think you take the crown of being the biggest flaker. Ryan, Ryan's at least showed up, but I can't. I showed up. I showed up. I, I can't. Can't say the same yeah. for Kat. I am the worst. I actually was thinking about that literally five minutes ago. I was like, I bet that's going to come back up because I still feel kind of bad. Surprise! <laughs> and I, I don't remember the root thing, but if I was at the LSU-Bama game, clearly I well, had good reason not to be there. But they probably lost that game, so maybe not. They did. Uh, they for sure did. Oh, my God. I was totally the- Sorry, what's up? Uh, you should just learn from me. Like, I don't feel bad at all. <laughs> like, this is me. I am a flake. I'm going to let you know beforehand. If I show up, it's a surprise and we can all enjoy it. <laughs> I, I like that perspective. I'm going to go with that. <laughs> I bet, actually, now thinking back, if the LSU Bama game was in 2015, dinner would have been so much better. That was a horrible game, and I wish I had never gone. It was 20. 20- I want to say it was 2014 because I was in town that year to pl- watch the Saints play the Niners, and that was the game that went to overtime and uh, Cap hit oh, yeah. Crabtree on like fourth and ten, way way down the field yeah. or whatever. So the the day the night before it was the LSU Bama game, if memory serves correctly. Oh yeah, that one also sucked, but not as bad as 15. I'm yeah. remembering it now. Um, so how do you like okay. so how does it uh, you, we're not talking about the saints but how if you could just walk us through you know because obviously we have a lot of lsu fans listening to this podcast how do you feel like how was it for you for lsu winning the national championship uh I, it's it was obviously a, a dream season for an lsu fan i guess it's weird because when you and the saints fans know this well when you have a team that doesn't win for a really long time and they finally win, it's like this kind of high you will never reach again, probably, unless the team doesn't win for another 50 years, God forbid. 
So for me, I was really young when LSU won the 2003 national championship, and that was just so incredible. And 2007 was fun because it was a ridiculous season. Uh, but, you know, it wasn't the same. This season, it was, it's so weird because there was so little drama with the team except for the Bama game. They just kind of steamrolled through the whole season, which is unlike LSU. So when, you got, when they got to the national championship, it was almost like, well, you expected them to win. So it, it, was, it was great. It, it's hard to describe now, though, because it feels like it was a million years oh, ago. Like at, least, at least. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, believe, I can't yeah. believe that was this year. This like, year. I know. I know. It's so crazy. crazy. Like, that was the last time I was in the Superdome. And it's, it's so weird because, you know, I was just – I think it was the last time. Yeah. That playoff game, I think, was before that. Yeah, it was before that. Okay. I can't even remember now. And so, you know, of course, you're like, okay, well, I'll be back in the Dome in six months. And here we are on the night they should be in Pittsburgh, and they're not. So it's super weird. But, yeah, obviously a dream season. And, hey, if there's no college football, LSU will just have to be national champions again. So I'll take it. Kat, I remember when you first started covering the Saints, you were kind of like a part of the new – kind of the new influx of youth into, uh, you know – the Times Picayune, Nola.com family covering the Saints. You know, you 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 communicated with the fans on on Twitter. You know, you get kind of involved with the fans to see what we're talking about. You know, so uh, you know what? How, how you know what was that like as far as you covering the Saints? I I, know, I don't think you grew up like a Saints fan or anything, but you know what was that like? What made you feel like you should get involved and kind of? go back and forth with the fans and kind of follow what the Saints fans have going on. What made you take that approach to your, uh, to your profession? Yeah. You know, I didn't, the only reason I wasn't, a, I'm not going to say I wasn't a Saints fan, but the only reason I wasn't like a really diehard Saints fan growing up is because I lived in Baton Rouge. So LSU kind of, you know, takes over mm-hmm. everyone there. And the oh. Saints were just really bad. Like LSU was bad, but the Saints were, the Saints were worse. <laughs> Really, really. <laughs> I know, so bad. And my dad, I think, had season tickets, but he never went and then eventually got rid of them. <laughs> so I never went to a Saints game until 2005 when they're in Tiger Stadium. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, and that was ridiculous. Like, no one – it, oh, it was such a cluster. Like, no one knew what gate to go in. No one paid well, attention to the game. Was that uh, the game where uh, that they ran Benson out the stadium? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, I think that was that game with the, the Lee Zurich Tom Vincent interaction. Oh, oh, yeah, man. it's yeah. funny. Um, more people were watching this fight that happened in the stands than the actual game, but oh. yeah, it was crazy. But I actually really started watching the Saints the next year in, in 2006, and it wasn't even because they ended up being good that year, it was, it was kind of like I don't know, it's hard to explain. I think we all wanted because of everything that happened, I think we all wanted something good for the state and for the city. Uh-huh. And I kind of just started watching the team, like really watching. And then that's kind of when everything changed. But um, as far as, you know, social media and, and how I interact with the fans, I think I'm just that type of person. Like I really like talking to people. I like hearing fans opinions. I, I love and hate Twitter. Sometimes it's the uh-huh. worst thing in the world. And y'all know that, but Respect. it's, yeah, but it's it's cool. It's it's cool to go back and forth with people that just, you know, love their team so much. And fans have great insight, and they tell me things all the time that I never would have thought of and give me great story ideas. And 
it gets hard sometimes because sometimes you just want to take a step back if because sometimes it can get really negative uh more yeah. when i was in cincinnati because the team was not good <laughs> and they hate their team so it, it got like a and on game days, it got to be a lot. And I, I started thinking, maybe I shouldn't be so involved on Twitter. Like, you know, there's life outside of social media. But, you know, as long as you have a balance, it's, it's all good. And, hey, I'm, I'm always going to be that person. Uh, I love hearing what people have to say about, about their team and, and what's going on that week. Speaking of your time covering the, the Bengals, you know, you were covering the Saints and then you covered the Bengals. I wanted, was it three seasons or at, at least – was it three, three? Yeah. yeah, and then you came back. Like, what – I guess, first and foremost, like, what was it like covering, you know, a different team, different organization, um, you moving, and then your decision to, to come back, kind of come back home? Um, how was that for you as well? Yeah, I didn't want to leave. Like, I was really happy in New Orleans. I mean, obviously, I grew up in Louisiana, as I said earlier. So I, I kind of told someone, oh, I could be happy here the rest of my life. But everyone, everyone knew it was the, the best opportunity. It's hard to turn down ESPN. And so I had never even stepped foot in Cincinnati in my life. First time I saw my apartment, I'd already, le- I'd already signed the lease. Like, I didn't even know what it looked like. So I was really scared. Yeah, but it actually, the apartment was great. But it was so crazy just driving. I was driving 12 hours with my brother to Cincinnati the day Baton Rouge was flooding. And he wow. was trying to, yeah, he was trying oh, to Oh, I remember that, flood. yeah. Yeah, it was, it was awful. Like, his, his family, my family was fine. But, you know, he's sitting there trying to check on his wife. And, um, like, waters, it, it didn't get to their house. But it was slowly, 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 like, coming towards their house because they live close to the levees. And so he had to, as soon as he dropped me off, he like turned around and got on a flight and flew back home. And so it was kind of like, okay, well, I'm here in this new city and my hometown is flooding and I don't know what to do, but, but it, it gave me, it's, it gave me such a great perspective on just how other teams operate and how to cover an AFC team versus an NFC team and, and how to do it on your own. You know, I'd always had Jeff and Larry and a bunch of people around me. It was the first time in my life I got to cover a team by myself. So it was a great experience. I actually, everyone always looks at me surprised but when I say this, but I love Cincinnati. Um, I, I was happy there. But this opportunity came around, and I just didn't want to miss it and miss being, oh, miss being around my family in New Orleans and Louisiana. Yeah. So. It was so great to just get a really great opportunity to work for an awesome place with the people I used to work with, cover a team I know. So I'm glad I did it, but I'm also really happy to uh, be back in New Orleans, even if, you know, we have two hurricanes heading our way. It's something something because, you know, I moved away from New Orleans twice. You know, right now I'm living in Mobile, Alabama, but, you know, we cuss when we're living in New Orleans – you know, we cuss New Orleans out. We cuss the, the uh, yes. you know, the political, you know, the the city hall. We cuss, you know, the infrastructure and all the problems that come, the crime, everything that comes with New Orleans. But it's like something's just always pulling you back. It's like, oh, you know, I'm like, you can ask Adam. Like, I'm back in New Orleans like every weekend. Like COVID nineteen, all. Oh. <laughs> I'm just going back just to grab a plate, you know, a plate of something, you know, see a friend or two or a family member and I'm back on the highway. Like, I don't know. It's just weird. 
that was me. It was crazy. I I told someone, I'm like, I'm spending more time on a plane coming back to New Orleans than I am living in Cincinnati. I mean, I know that's an exaggeration, but like I yeah. had like so much FOMO. I would get on a plane, <laughs> go to New Orleans or Louisiana for, I'm not even kidding, sometimes 18 hours and then turn around and go back. Like I do it for weddings, uh, my high school graduation, flew in, went, to, I mean, not graduation, obviously, uh, reunion. I'm a little older than that reunion flew in went to the reunion went to sleep at 2 a.m got back up at four flew flew back to cincinnati and then covered a game that day i was just like this is absurd you know i can't spend this i can't spend my life on a plane like this so uh moved back and now i'm saving a little bit of money not being on planes 24 7 but i guess the entire world can say that because no one's going anywhere um so being back, this you know how with it being such a unique year with everything going on with the coronavirus, how has training camp been, or how has covering training camp been for you um, to start off like the first week? It's been well. First of all, it's been great to have football to cover. I'm so grateful for that. It makes you almost feel like life is normal. It's obviously different. I mean, first of all, you know, we get test, COVID tested every day before practice. Ooh. Yeah. So I've been, I've had a swab stuck up my nose probably eight times in the last week or so. Um, but hey, you know, whatever it takes. Uh, and then we have contact tracers. I'm actually going to write something about this. Oh, week. wow. Yeah. We have these like little, so there's a little like, um, oh, they're proximity trackers, I guess is the term. So I put it in my, my lanyard that I wear around my neck. And if you get too close to people, it flashes. So you're supposed to be spaced out. And then, of course, there's no fans. And that's weird. But other than that, once you get through the gates and you're watching football, it feels probably 90% normal. So it, it's been cool to just be back and uh, feel hopeful that the season's going to happen. And I do feel really hopeful, way more than I did even weeks or months ago. Like I'm feeling very yeah. optimistic now. Yeah. I, I'm at least I'm more optimistic that like the season is definitely going to start and play for a little while. Like beyond that, we, we just, it's just too much uncertainty in 2020 to predict behind that, but just the way it's going, I'm, you know, I can see that at least the season is going to start. We're going to get a couple of football games and we'll kind of go from there. Uh, but you know, with the saints, Starting, let's talk about training camp. I mean, you know, from what we've seen, I know you've been covering it a lot with the athletic. You've been, you know, pretty much on it and what's going on. Uh, sounds like the defense is a little ahead of the offense from what we've been, you know, hearing on Twitter. Uh, so what's been kind of, the, you know, just above, you know, a global view, what's been kind of your view of camp so far compared to other seasons? Yeah, I think uh, the defense definitely has a leg up right now. And sometimes early in camp, that happens in general. But they've been making plays all over the field. I mean, it's kind of a, a new-look defense, as Jared Cook kept calling it. I mean, and it is because you, know, you have Zach Bond. He's going to get a lot of playing time. Uh, now C.J. Gardner-Johnson's going to be playing as their main nickelback, which kind of means – I don't know how much PJ is going to play. They might fit him in, but, you know, he's kind of been replaced or playing, you know, kind of little hybrid safety positionless thing there. 
and um, trying, I'm trying to go through them. Uh, you know, obviously no Eli Apple, so now Jenkins is taking over. So there are, I won't say they're new faces on the defense really, but they've moved around a lot, and I think so far it's, it's paying off results. I think the secondary is going to be uh, – knock on Jenkins. I think the secondary is going to be really good. And you can't always take stuff from practice just because you don't always know what the intent of practice was that day. But if I were a fan, I would be happy that the defense is the one that looks so good right now because you know come September, whenever they play, 12th, I think, the offense is going to show up. You know, you don't have to worry about that. So I would be very – I'm encouraged from what I've seen so far. Yeah, that seems to be – a. A growing trend is just how good the defense has been throughout, you know, the early part of training camp. Um, flipping over to the offensive side of the ball, um, there's been a lot of publicity for Benny Fowler, who Drew Brees kind of personally brought in when he was working out with Emmanuel Sanders in Denver. Um, I mean, I think maybe potentially saying he's maybe going to replace Traycon is going a little too far, but does it seem like he definitely could have a role on the team in the offense in terms of Breeze's trust and, and rapport with him? Yeah, he's one I go back and forth on. There are a couple of practices he kind of just disappears, but, you know, like today, I think he probably had one of the best plays of the day when uh, Jameis threw, went deep to him. I, I don't know how far it traveled, 30, 40 yards downfield. I think someone said 50, but I wasn't – I couldn't tell you that. But and he had this diving catch, and he, so that was good. He's also had some good plays on special teams. But I'm not ready to say he's going to make the team yet. I, however, I do think, as we see with Austin Carr, if Breeze likes you, that is such a big – like thing in your favor you could stick around for a long time if Breeze and Peyton like you and I think with with this year guys that have more film or just any sort of Mm. advantage as far as the team knowing what you're like and what you're going to do is going to help so much with that last spot I, I assume they probably go five receivers this year I don't know but you know when you're someone like Fowler, who now Breeze kind of has a rapport with, that's a mm. leg up over, you know, an undrafted guy. So, so you yeah. saying Breeze cheating on his bait? Austin <laughs> Carr? Oh, man. What, what if they both make the team? Oh, oh please. <laughs> like, they're like, please, no. No more Austin oh. Carr. Uh, I have him on my 53, just FYI. <laughs> I, I, you know what? Nothing. You know, if you're using history as a trend, I mean, I can't blame you. Yeah. <laughs> he has a lifetime contract, you know. So him and Craig Robinson, just <laughs> Craig Robinson, him and C. Rob, they're not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's going anywhere either. He's been playing with the ones like a lot. Yeah. Demario yeah. hasn't really been playing much team at all. I. It's kind of weird, but I assume they're just trying to rest some of yeah. the guys that are like vitally important. Yeah, it does. I mean, you're there, but, you know, it seems like, you know, they kind of want to take it easy on the vets. Like, you know, Sean Payton always talks about how Purcell says you just got to see it with the vets. If you see it, you know, you see it enough, whereas the young guys, you kind of want to get the reps in and make sure they got it. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, that could be one of those situations. Yeah, you would think that, but then you know they already know exactly what they have out of Craig Robertson. 
Right. So, yeah, that's true. That's true. That, that's the only one I was kind of like, hmm, that's kind of weird. But I that's think, interesting. yeah, if, if you look at it from the perspective of, okay, who on the team can they not afford to lose? Well, Teron Armstead and Ramchek, those, those two have been rotating out a lot. Demario, he hasn't been doing much team. Bree's got a day off today. So, yeah, I think maybe they're just like, okay, these guys can't afford to lose. We know what we have. We don't need to see much from this kind of condensed training camp. Because he's out there. He's not – I mean, he's, he does some team, so he's not hurt. Right. So, who knows? They have some method behind the madness, as always, I'm sure. Stick, st- sticking with linebacker, a player that it seemed like the team was very high on last training camp before he got injured was was Caden Ellis on you know he was getting some looks in in the defense and base and kind of taking a lot of not a lot but taking some of AJ Klein's snaps away and I know it's early in training camp but there like, I haven't read much about or seen much about him uh, how has he been in in camp and like is he you know primarily like just staying with the twos yeah, hold on. I'm looking through my notes right now because some of these guys, like you try to take note of everyone, but it's kind of hard. And some of them just tend to disappear. So I yeah. wrote down everyone that was with the first and second team today, and he was with the twos. But I don't remember – I just don't remember the last two days anything he's done to stand out. Like he's just kind of there. So I'm going to try to look for him this week. But that's sometimes good and sometimes bad. Like means they're not doing any making any major mistakes, but it also means oh hey they're not really standing out at all. But um, sometimes we do tend to keep our eyes more on what's happening with the first team than the second team, so that's yeah, also probably yeah. part of it. And you know it's interesting that you bring that up because with no pre, it was kind of easy to find the one or two guys that you know that was really standing out or really was shining during a preseason game. Like last year there was Shy Tuttle. You know, he was really coming on like the third preseason game. He was like, oh, okay, this guy is showing something. This guy is showing something. We just, it's just impossible to have that now with no preseason games. You know, maybe when they do like live scrimmages, maybe we'll see more. But, you know, the the uh, 53 man roster predictions in uh, late August are going to be a little tougher, you know? Yeah, I actually just wrote about that. Uh a few hours ago, just some of these guys really need preseason games and it's going to be hard for them to make the team without it. Like I think Callaway is a perfect example of that. I think he is a a really raw player. And I Mm -hmm. say that because more so than others, I see coaches take him aside to work through something. And another reporter pointed out that's actually a good sign because it means they're very invested in him and actually care if they didn't care they would just write him off but you know he he's a guy that probably needs a preseason game to show off what he can do in special teams and maybe make some some big plays and it, it's yeah. hard when you don't have much to go off of you just have these practices where you basically have to be perfect and, and spot. special teams special teams is like so critical in preseason because like, like you said, those that's how those guys make the teams, and they compete so hard on special teams in the preseason, playing gunner and you know all the different positions on special teams, just trying to show something. And usually, that's where the action happens during preseason. That's why you see so many, you know, punt returns, kick returns, big hits, because those guys are competing. You know what I'm saying? Like they want to right. shine on tape on Monday 
when they put the tape on, like, hey, look, you know, look what I did. So that that's a good point. It, it's I, I don't know. I mean, I guess the Saints are kind of fortunate. It's a more veteran team, but still, there's going to be some cause to not not have a preseason, even though we kind of understand they didn't have preseason for a good reason. Yeah, they've been working a lot through special teams for that reason. They do a significant amount of work with special teams every day. You know, a lot of punt return coverage work and things like that. And I think it's just they're trying to find what they can't find uh, without preseason games. So it, it can kind of replicate it, but kind of not. I mean, it's not it, it's not full speed. It's not against someone you don't know. So the scrimmage is as close as you're going to get. So I think they're scrimmaging in the dome on Friday. It might, it might be Thursday, but I think it's on Friday. So that's a, as close as you're going to get to any sort of live game situation. And it's still not the same thing. Speaking of a, a player like Callaway, at the top of your head, do you know what the specific like restrictions are or protections when it comes to like practice squad? Um, practice squad players and the play and like players can be protected because of <clears throat> because of the season being the way that it is well I know that I think they're going to 16 guys and a couple of those guys can be literally anyone like you could put veterans on there there's I don't know how many spots but so anyone can be in those couple spots because of COVID but as far as I know it's still the same as it always was in regards to training camp cuts. Like they have to go through waivers. Once they get on the practice squad, then you can activate them to the active roster without losing them. And I think you can do that twice for each player, but yeah, so they still have to, they have to face that big training camp cut waiver wire madness. And that's why teams all over the league are freaking out about what media members write about their players because they don't have any game film. So that's all they have to go on. And so that's why they're all running around like in a panic about what's getting out there about these players because they don't want to lose some of them. But I say to that, well, then keep them on your 53. Like, sorry, that's the chance you take. A, a player that keeps flashing offensively is Ty Montgomery. And I know that I know when 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 he was first signed, Ryan and I just thought like, oh, like cool, like that's a nice little piece. Like, you know, he'll have like his niche, you know, niche in the offense and what what have you. But it sounds like he is like kind of showing out in training camp. And no disrespect to the former offensive coordinators and head coaches that happened in the past, but I, I can probably safely say he's never had an offensive coach like Sean Payton to potentially be able to unlock his talents. Um, is it, is it, do you like, when you see him, do you see like the role that he could have on offense? I if a little, I guess I'm a little more cautious than everyone else, just because I remember some of the other guys, you know, Oh, remember when everyone thought CJ Spiller was going to be the big thing. And then the cadet experiment that never uh, worked out and Montgomery is a better player than cadet I'm not compares I'm not comparing the two but so I, I say that just because I didn't put him on my 53 the first time just because I said hey this guy even though he's a name he's got to prove it in camp like everyone else well I think he's pretty much doing everything he has been asked to do to prove it in camp and I can see Peyton really using this guy in, in multiple ways 
I mean, imagine, you know, figuring out how to use him and, and Kamara and Murray all together. And I, I can see it. They just, I think Dwayne Washington's probably going to make the roster too, more um, based on a special team. So they'll probably have to carry a few more running backs. But yeah, I mean, it's something that kind of develops a little more every day. But I'm, I'm way more intrigued by him now than I was a few weeks ago because every day it's like, oh, 88 just made another play. And when they were working on um, – they did a lot of run work today and they are working on a lot of two-point conversions and uh, red zone work. And I, I wrote down his name a couple of times. So, yeah, he definitely keeps showing up. And uh, in The Athletic, you talked about – you did an article about Sheldon Rankins, who, you know, I mean, this is like, you know, his most important season. He's on his fifth year option, you know, could be a free agent next year, coming off a uh, ridiculous injury and a repair to a deformed bone in his Achilles or something like that. I mean, huge. And, you know, for what we heard from camp, it seemed like, you know, he's looking healthy, he's moving well. Uh, I saw the interview with uh, Ryan Nielsen, the D-line coach. He seems to be uh, positive about where Sh- uh, Sheldon Rankins is right now. So, you know, what have you seen from Rankins? Because, you know, this is it for him. He could really cash in if he shows any, like, 90% of what he was in 2018. He could really cash in. I think uh, so far, I I think he's looked really good. As, as much as you can evaluate that when yeah. – they don't have pads on every day. But I think the main thing for him is can he get his explosiveness back? I mean, yeah. when you have heel problems on both sides and you weigh whatever he weighs, 300 pounds or, or whatnot, can he have that same burst? And he seems to think that he can. I think it's such a shame that he blew through rehab last year, came back faster than anyone expected, and mm. finally – he looked like he was starting to be that old player. It was in the Atlanta game, and he was, you know, he was he had sacks, and he was setting up sacks for Cam Jordan. And I remember in the locker room afterwards, they were just so excited, and he just seemed so relieved, like, "Hey, I'm finally, I'm finally back." And then ten days later, uh, I had no idea how much that heel was bothering him. Ten days later, that's when he realized he needed season-ending surgery. So if it's not bothering him this year, I see no reason why this far out from his Achilles injury, he can't be the player he used to be. It it doesn't always happen, but I, if I know Rankins, I know he's going to work just as hard as anyone else to get there. Also side note, I know y'all saw this interview, but he just casually talks about how he deadlifts 700 pounds. Yeah. Like if he's doing that, if he's doing that, Hey, he, I think he has a chance to be okay. He just said it casually. Yeah, just doing 700-pound deadlifts or a couple reps. A couple reps. Yeah. <laughs> not, like, not once. Like, not one. Yeah. Go, he said go to the ice tub. Yeah. I'm sure he's just no big deal for him. So, he, he's a guy you really honestly want to see succeed. He is. He yeah. is. He it's is. hard he not is. to root for him, you know? Right, right. And he, you know, I've never gotten a sense that he wasn't a hard worker and the for him to come back last year off that industry injury the way he did, like that was great. I was kind of like, like man, do you don't you want to take a couple of more weeks? Like relax, right. you know? But but you know, I mean, him getting that bone injury, that bone deformation taken care of, whatever. Hopefully that'll work for him. Uh, 
But uh, yeah, the, the another guy that's you know everybody's kind of like looking side at about his old two firsts, you know Marcus <laughs> Davenport, <laughs> Marcus Davenport. We, like we we like we understand he has shown plenty of potential, plenty. Like nobody's going to deny that. But you know it's like his third year. Everybody wants to see it, like see it, like show up consistently throughout the season. Show us what you got. Has he been kind of? Has he caught your eye at least once or twice during the uh, during the training camp? You know, there was a day. I think again, I days have no meeting anymore. But I think it was yesterday. It could have been two days ago. They were outside in pads. I remember that. And I was specifically watching the defensive line, and I felt like Davenport was next to the quarterback a lot. And actually, Rankins too. I just noticed like they were getting a lot of pressure. And it's enough that sometimes you forget, oh, he's coming off an injury because I forget about that all the time. I mean, which is a great sign. But, uh, you know, it's just like you said, okay, well, you can do it in practice, but you've got to show up this year. It's, it, it has to be the year. So um, he was starting to get there, but I feel like I say that about a lot of people last year and then they got injured. Yeah. But, yeah, there have been a few days I really do think that uh, he has looked impressive. I'm literally looking through my notebook trying to find um, that – trying to find those particular plays. I have, like, seven pages of notes for each practice. <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. I, I did see where he held, like, some running back up. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I like kind of picked him up or something. I think it was Ty Montgomery. I think he just picked him up like he was – Just disrespectful. Wait, this was okay. Sorry. I sorry, I just finally found it. I had like I had sack in the 98, 98, 92 written next to it. So I think that was one of the plays on I guess Breeze was in there, uh, where they both got pressure. So um and then I wrote ninety-two two more times. So yeah, like <laughs> stop to stop <laughs> rambling, yes. A couple of times he has had some big days, but he's just gotta be more consistent about it. Switching over to the offensive side of the ball and the offensive line, the strength of this team, especially offensively, is undoubtedly its offensive line. Um, it seems like starting early in camp, McCoy has kind of stayed at center and uh, Ruiz has been at right guard. <clears throat> and then obviously you have the, the Andres Pete injury, so he's he hasn't been playing for the for the broken broken thumb, I believe it was. I kind of postulated earlier in the season or early, earlier in the off season is that with a very shortened training camp, no preseason games like that, the center, the quarterback exchange, it's so vital that I would, I would have been shocked to, you know, I know Ruiz got some, some snaps at center today, but I still think, you know, for at least this season, I think it's going to be McCoy um, at center and Ruiz at right guard. How has that, how has that looked, I guess, just the offensive line in, in general? I know you, it's been hard to see because some guys have been out, you know, tackle, the tackles are getting off days. But just when all five of them are in, or four, I guess, in this case, like how has it looked? I think it made a huge difference when both starting tackles were in. They're, the day before, they got off to a really bad start. I think three through like three straight incompletions or something. It weren't looking great, and when they started team drills the other day, or maybe yesterday, and uh, Ramchek and uh, Tehran were both in, like it was just like bang, bang, bang. Like Breeze like fired off three completions. You could just see the difference it makes. 
So I, I, offense has had its ups and downs this week, but I haven't really, aside from a few plays here or there, haven't really noticed anything that stands out as bad with the first team offensive line. And, you know, when you get these rookie centers, like you said, it, it can be kind of a toss up. He actually did play center today. He's been playing right guard the whole week, but um, he did play center today. But when I covered Billy Price with the Bengals a, a year or two ago, oh my God, he was firing off just one bad snap after another. And this is a guy that played center uh, in college. And just for some reason, the first two weeks of camp, it was atrocious. This hasn't looked like that. He had, Ruiz had one bad snap today. And I think that may have been on Taysom. We couldn't really tell, but um, yeah, overall, I, I think they look good, but I, my guess is that Ruiz is going to play guard. I just think McCoy was at center for a whole week. You don't have much time left really to tinker with this experiment. So whatever decision you make, you're going to have to make it in the next few days. Uh, you can't have this rookie rotating back and forth up until week one. So we'll see. I might be wrong, but that's kind of my impression of it. Interesting. Uh, and, you know, since we're on offense – you know, it sounds like from everything we've heard, Kamara is back to, you know, his healthy self. Sounds like he's moving well. He's in good spirits. And, uh, you know, from the highlights I've seen, he's, you know, getting downfield and showing everything he's, you know, he's shown in the past. So is that something you were seeing also? Yeah, I think he's looked great. And I also think he's just tired of people asking him about being yeah. injured. <laughs> Yeah, no. <laughs> I, I could tell just from his interview the other day. I was actually driving when I was listening to it, so I don't think I asked him anything. But someone was someone asked him about his health, and he's just like, "I'm healthy," or, or so. I don't know. Maybe yeah. laugh. I mean, and I get it. I would be sick of it too because he looks good. I, I think if he stays healthy, he's gonna have a great year. He has no reason not to. So everything I've seen has has been good so far. So I guess fingers crossed that uh, <laughs> it stays that way. Knock on wood. But yeah, he's looked good. Um, so so I, I feel like since you're on the podcast, I wouldn't be doing a good job if I didn't ask you these things because you covered the, the Bengals. So was there any closeness of either an A.J. Green trade or a Tyler Eifert trade happening? And was some of that, when, is it, and did either one of them happen just because, like, the team being the Browns, they were just like, no, like, we're not trading our players type of thing, and then just being the Browns pretty much, or talking about the Browns. The Bengals. The Bengals. They, uh, they, they run together. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're making me laugh. Uh, no, I mean, from what I remember, I was – texting people about that that day I mean I was checking in on that all week and everything I was told was no 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 they don't want to trade him they're not going to talk about it they don't want to trade him and when the Bengals don't want to trade someone they don't want to trade him nothing yeah nothing will change their mind it they they don't even entertain it so that never came close to happening as, as far as I know, unless I was just lied to, but I, I just heard, uh, I heard, I'm trying to remember. I heard, yeah, definitely no with that one. I think I heard definitely no, didn't 
definitely no trade came close to happening. I think there was some, you know, intrigue there, but they were scared because of the injury history. And honestly, Eifert like disappeared last year. And I don't know if that means he's a declining player or if it was because the Bengals didn't use tight ends very often, but he kind of just disappeared. So maybe it's for the best, but I kept thinking, I'm like, man, I old, old Eifert, like pre-injury Eifert in the Saints offense would have been something to see. I would have loved oh, yeah. it. But, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. so I'm, so, I'm reading through my old text about this while I'm talking <laughs> to me I'm telling you all the right thing because it feels like so long ago. I, I just know I mean, that you didn't want to trade. Be, I mean, because the Saints, we were tweaking. Saints fans was tweaking for a wide receiver. I know. The opposite of, uh, of Mike Thomas. But they got Emmanuel Sanders this year. And, you know, from what we've heard from Alfred Camp, he's not like, you know, he's not like, you know, blowing it away, but he's a veteran. You know, he's doing everything that's asked of him. He's running routes well, catching passes. What's been your sense of Emmanuel Sanders so far? I think he's going to fit in so well to this offense. I just think this offense has been dying for anyone to step up behind Michael Thomas. And when you look at last year's, stats and you have to go you you look at Thomas and then when you're talking about I think receiving yards you have to go past like two tight ends and a running back before you get to the next receiver head mm. Ginn and man that's <laughs> like ridiculous uh, so I just think if Sanders I, I always say I'm like if he is still if he plays on the same level he's been playing and you don't see like an age decline He's going to do big things for this offense. As soon as he and Breeze get that chemistry down, and, I mean, I, hey, he's, he's been involved early and often with this offense, so I can see him playing a really big role this year. I feel like this is the, like, this is the year for the Saints. Like, this is – all the chips are in, you know, hands on deck. Like, this is our year – um, if if a whole season happens and there's playoffs and all that, I feel like potentially like the mindset is like this is it. Like potentially this is Drew's last year, all that, what have you. I I I can't stop thinking that potentially the coaching staff and Sean Payton may kind of see like if this is our year, we need that that one more piece. And could not saying that there's any talk or anything like that, but could you see them going after a player like Jadavian Clowney to kind of like complete, you know, complete everything for lack of a better, better word. Hey, I mean, I think they would love to have Clowney just like any other team. Their problem is he's been holding firm to his price. And that's been the story all summer. I mean, I don't know where that stands now because I, but I know that at some point in the summer, he wanted over 17 million a year. And that's just, that's not going to happen, not with this team, especially if they need to – if they're working on things with Kamara. So it doesn't mean they don't want him, but I think he's just going to have to really lower that price. And then at that point, you know, do other teams jump in? I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of intrigued that he's still out there, but he could make a difference. You know what type of player he is, but the closer it gets to the season – is that something they would even entertain if we're talking a week before the season? Maybe. Sometimes they, they go do that. It's just weird with 
the pandemic and everything and players aren't probably going to move around as much as they may have before. And then you see the opposite. Some of these players are just hanging out there like Drake Kirkpatrick just signed with the Cardinals and he used to be a, a pretty decent player. And that was just the quietest signing ever. Um, like it's just yeah. so weird. Yeah. And then you, you got Ryan still out there. You got Clowney still out there. Griffin was out there forever. Um, now Earl Thomas is about to be out there for different oh. reasons, but uh, yeah, it's, it's just an odd year. And I just wonder if they're going to be more cautious about disrupting team chemistry, because like you said, when you're looking at a season where everyone is thinking, Hey, we're all in, this could be our year. You really have to trust that everyone's going to do what they say they're going to do, especially in regards to this pandemic. So when you're already building up that trust with all these guys, you probably get a little cautious about who you bring in. And I say that solely like pandemic wise, you just don't want anyone to go out there and, and do anything dumb. And with these, these veterans, you know, that's not going to happen. You know, Cam Jordan's not going to go put himself at risk and, and, you know, Drew Brees isn't going to do that. Drew Brees probably has like a bubble built at his house. Uh, <laughs> Demario Davis isn't going to do that. So, um, it makes it, the Saints have a better chance than a lot of other teams because they all understand what is at stake and, and what they could do if they all um, – I don't know. I, I don't know how to say it. If they all, I guess, you know, follow the rules, that's such a dumb thing that sounds like. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I feel like I'm <laughs> rambling, but you all get what I'm saying. You know, not every team is going to have that. Some team eventually is going to have some guy – just yeah, like, it, just like the baseball that that ruins it for everyone else. Exactly, exactly. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. You know, we're just kind of hoping the Saints have kind of. I hate to say, pick the right guys, because even when you say pick the right guys, you're asking people to deny their humanity, pretty much. You know, what I mean. Right. You. Just, I mean, at some point, you're just like, you know what, I'm about to go and hang out with my folks and have a beer. You know, I mean, something like that it's just going to happen and you know you just kind of hope it doesn't work out the wrong way because at the end of the day you know we're humans you know we make mistakes and you know we're not built to you know fight a uh, you know a hidden enemy like covid-19 but i wanted to ask you we had ramon on a couple of months ago and anytime we get a beat writer on or a former beat writer we want some stories like hit us with some stories like you was in west virginia you know what I'm saying? You was in West Virginia in the in the nice lukewarm weather. You was in running with the team during the whole '79 fiasco. Like, give us one story. I know Sean Payton crazy. He might call you up, curse <laughs> me out or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, but you think. know, just gotta think. Give, give me something. Something Wait, you couldn't tweet out. What did What did Ramon tell you? What What was his? Because I'm curious about what he said. He punked out. He punked out. I'll just say that. He, uh, Ramon punked out. He can listen to this, and I'll tell him, <laughs> Ramon, you punked out, bro. We'll, we'll tell you the story that he, he told us off offline, because he didn't want to tell it on on. on I, think I, I think I know what story you're talking about. Uh, that's it, why it, I asked. It, it involved a phone call. That's all I'll say. Yeah, yeah that's what I thought. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was asking. I was curious if he, if he told that story on the air. No, uh, not, he, not on the air. <laughs> but he basically told us about the time. Uh, he basically, he, you know, he quoted uh, Kenny Vaccaro. Oh, yeah. oh <laughs> no. Kenny Vaccaro, and it kind of came out wrong. And 
Oh, it pissed off Malcolm God. Jenkins. Malcolm Jenkins ah. went to the Eagles. It was like the best, but it got smoothed out, you know. Poor Ramon. I actually, I was not in the locker room that day. I was working on something. It was the first day all season I wasn't in the locker room. I was in the media room. And I, I, like, you know, you're just like, oh, nothing's going to happen. And then everyone comes back and they're just, everyone's just, oh my gosh, did you hear what happened? Kenny Vaccaro was reading Ramon's tweets in the bathroom and like came out in the towel. And was like, <laughs> Like, he what? said, what? I was like, what? I missed this? I hate missing out on things. I was so mad. I'm like, I didn't get to see all this hat go down. Uh, oh, my God. I'm trying to think. I'm, like, cycling through the things in my head, like all the browner and lions yelling stuff. That was all, that was all crazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I do remember. I'm trying. Uh, okay, I'm trying to think. I remember – Actually, I do remember a fairly good Kenny Vaccaro story where he was hurt. No, he he was uh, – before a game, he was hurt, and it was like, very unexpected. And I think it was a hamstring thing. I think they were playing Tampa. And he um, doesn't play. And so, at first, we didn't know why. So, I think Larry said something like, oh, you know, he might have been benched, which I think he did get benched later that season or the next year. Don't remember. And so, then we found out, oh, he's hurt. So, in the locker room afterwards, Vaccaro is just, like, really mad at Larry. And, like, I'm standing there, and I'm, like, going to one and going to the other, like, okay, can you just go talk to him? Can you just go talk to him? And and both are just like, "Ah, I don't want to talk to him. I'm like, how old are you guys? Vicaro finally like Larry goes up to Vicaro and I explained everything and he's like it's okay man you just really hurt my feelings when you said that I was gonna be benched <laughs> I was like what how how old is everyone in this locker room right now <laughs> <laughs> it was very funny Vicaro is actually really cool though I always liked him but uh, he, he always provided like great quotes oh yeah yeah and you know stuff he, like that yeah. Keenan Lewis was the same way. He'd get, he'd, oh my God. he'd just get like really sensitive about stuff and then get upset. And, but it was always me who was standing there, like trying to like uh, ease the tension between like secondary and the beat writers. I'd be like, well, he didn't mean it this way. <laughs> I don't think that's what he meant. And it, it just always made me laugh. But yeah, man, there's been some crazy moments just watching all the Browner and Lion stuff was Top notch entertainment. Poor cat. Uh, go ahead, Adam. You had some for? Um, I, I think a, a player that I, I keep uh, there's two players I keep forgetting that are on the team. <laughs> Zach Bond and Latavius Murray. Like I forget yep. that they I forget that they drafted Zach Bond and like until I read Latavius Murray's name, I'm like, oh. Yeah, he's a he's a saint. <laughs> he exists. Um, so I guess what are what are some? I mean, we know what the the situation is going to be for Murray. I think for the most part. Um, but what is the vision for Zach Bond on on the defense in terms of like where is he where is he playing? Um, you know, what's his usage? Is he going to be off off ball linebacker? Is he going to be primarily rushing? Like, how is Dennis Allen going to going to use him? 
this is the time where I add that you thought Nigel Bradham was Zach Bond like a day ago. Yes, I did. Yeah, which, completely. Which made me laugh. You're like, he's, a, he's bigger than I thought he was. Uh, but he, he, he still is, though. Like, I, I saw him, like, I actually saw him today, and he for sure is, is still bigger than I thought he was. Yeah, I think uh, we talked to Michael Hodges a couple of days ago, and I think he said he sees him as a Sam linebacker who eventually will transition to middle linebacker. I noticed him rushing a lot. They use him both as a traditional linebacker, and they do rush him a lot. I think he said he he rushes more primarily when they're in nickel and then in base. He plays a lot of Sam. But the way he's been used in practice, I think – He's going to be playing like day one. I, I expect mm, him to be playing a lot, him, Anzalone, and Demario, because Kiko's still working back from his injury. I don't know when he's going to be back. And I think they like Bond a lot, and they're kind of thinking, all right, well, <laughs> we're going to throw you into the fire and see how you do. And I think he's done well so far. So we expect to see him a lot early on when the season starts. Yeah, that's, that's interesting because, like, me and Adam, when we watched him as a prospect, we both were like, Can y'all uh, yeah, we yeah. could hear you. Yeah, you could. Oh, sorry. I, okay, somehow my computer got muted. I told you, audio problems every day. I, so, I, got, I, I don't heard me. I, I got you, Kat. We're good. <laughs> okay. I muted, I muted y'all. Somehow. <laughs> I, I clearly like to get more. Wine or coffee or something. <laughs> oh, wine. Okay. Well, yeah. but I was saying, um, I was saying, you know, me and Adam weren't like overly excited about Bond, but you could still see the potential and what the kind of Saints would kind of like out of him. And you know, when he first got drafted, it was like, "Hey, we're gonna move him to Mike." He was like, "Huh?" <laughs> but but hearing that he's kind of been doing, he's been rushing a lot. That kind of makes sense because. He did come off kind of like a, like a uh, slightly poor man's Anthony Barr with the Vikings, who could kind of play that kind of off-ball linebacker role and also edge rusher. They, and they kind of look, a, they kind of look alike too. They look alike too, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. like, is that biased? There could be some like you know, <laughs> what what's the class you're taking at work? Uh, Oh, voluntary bias or whatever. <laughs> Implicit bias. <laughs> who was who was on Twitter today talking about Bond's hairline and how he looked? Oh, like that was me. That was <laughs> shocking. <laughs> like just, poor guy. He's he's twenty three. Just let it go, bro. Like just. Let it go, let it go, uh, well, at least he doesn't look. I think Nichols and Nick Olsen. I think Nick Easton looks like the oldest guy on the team. He looks like he's fifty. How <laughs> about Drew? Like Drew. Like, at first, I saw a pick of him earlier this summer. I was like, okay, he got the air plugs, fresh lineup. But then I see him at camp. It's woof. He looking like a 40-year-old 40, 40 quarterback, man. Oh, my God. At least he understands, like, he, he needs to let the hair go. Slowly, yeah, he said it. Yeah. Slowly, he's letting it go. It's taken little by little over the years. I think he just can't let the last remaining – I understand. Yeah. I, hey, I, I, I understand, understand. Drew. Maybe, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, he could maybe invest in some hair plugs like people theorize that Tom Brady did. Yeah, oh, we know, you know. Oh, come on, Tom. Let's, let's be real. <laughs> I'm just, I was just saying, like, Zach, like, Drax's 23. Like, it, there's no, this is a no judgment zone, no judgment podcast. But 
come on, just just let it go, bro. Like it's all it's all good. <laughs> you know, when he's making plays on the field, I'll, I'll, I'll the the hairline will be. I'm I'm letting that go completely. <laughs> oh man, yeah. you just reminded me of another story as to like why <laughs> as to why one of those fights in the Saints yeah. locker room happened in 2014. Set it off. Let's go. You got to tell it. You got. You can't. You can't. You can't tease it. Look, we curse on here and everything. It it had. It had to do with, um, one of the players in the locker room had gotten his hair like, like spray. Sorry, I'm not a guy, so I don't really know what they do, but like spray painted or sprayed. I don't know. He had just gotten it done, and so another player licked his thumb, came up to him, and just like went straight down his forehead with his, with his thumb and ruined his ruined his hair, his new hair. And the player got real mad and they just started like going at it in the locker room and fighting and it apparently just went like all the way. It just like turned into this big brawl and I think that was the fight Mark Ingram has talked about on NFL Network where he's like, I just walked in and there's these guys in towels just like going at each other or fighting and I had no idea what happened and from what I was told it had to do with some one immature player just deciding to mess up someone else's hairline sorry for the tangent it's just every time I think about that story I laugh and talking about Marie's hairline made me think about it we love it we love it it, look 2014 man oh I mean I want to ask you like what was your whole view of the old Junior Gallette like you know oh, man. off the team and going off a, on a rant in someone else's account oh man just spilling the beans <laughs> like, <laughs> did, did you see that coming like did you see that coming as a beat writer like did you like oh they should have known this was coming no like, no he was so great to talk to in the fall of that year he was so eager to, to be where he was and so happy and the day he got his new contract we were like excited for him because he was so you know he was this great story and he was so excited and once he got arrested it just it became like a ticking time bomb basically he, I think he just got like crazier I mean you know all the crazy stuff from the mm-hmm. team's perspective in the fall And we didn't see all that. We found out about it, obviously. But, you know, once once he got arrested and the Saints decided to cut him, which happened very early that year, they were like, we're done. We're going to figure out how to get this guy off the team. I think it was like they were done by February. They just couldn't make it happen for a long time. And so just one thing after another, and I don't think he really knew that they – I don't think he had any idea they were going to cut him. So once that happened, he just kind of went crazy. And he, yeah, all, he had re- good relationships with us in the fall. And then he hated all of us except the Lions, <laughs> except Lions I think, in the end. Of all people. Yeah. Of all people. Yeah. He really hated me. He, he texted me one day at training camp because I retweeted something. I was at practice. I retweeted something he had gotten signed or he was with it. I mean, by that time he was with Washington. I don't know if he got signed or suspended or what. And I retweeted it. He texted me and he was like, why are you so obsessed with me? 
Well, man, you texted me. Actually, I did not say that. One of the other reporters was like, I swear to God, if you respond to him, I will throw your phone away. Because that's just what he was just, you know, he's junior. Yeah. He's uh, junior. <laughs> he's junior. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, don't know. I don't know what to say, but uh, did not expect it to end how that ended, especially with him going somewhere else and getting hurt. That was crazy. But um, yeah, that was the craziest year I've ever covered, I think. What just flat out, yeah. What's your your feel for the team this this season? Like, I mean, you're kind of around them. Like, wh- I don't know. What sense do you do you get from them being around them in the, the number of days you've been around them so far? I think this chance, this chance. I think this team is as good a chance as any other team to make the playoffs. What they do in the playoffs, I do not know, but. I, I just think there's no excuses and that's how they feel. That's why they keep saying Super Bowl or bust. There's when you look at the team, they've all been together forever. The coaches have been together forever. They added the receiver they desperately needed. They've tried to upgrade the secondary. They've tried to address pretty much every hole they felt they had. I, I think they did something to make it better. Now maybe it won't. You know, you never know. You don't know how Ruiz is gonna play. You don't know if Bond is gonna be good with their history of drafting linebackers and things like that. But I, this team has a really good chance. They, I think, have the ability to be a really great team. And at this point, you just have to hope the season just goes on uninterrupted because I, I don't know. I mean, it just, it'd be such a shame if this really is Drew Brees' last year and somehow it ends in like oh. a weird canceled season or something. I, I don't know. It's weird enough that we don't get to see the fans in month one. Let's let's hope maybe best case scenario the the season goes on as scheduled and fans get to come back at some point this year because I think this team is is going to be really good. Yeah, amen on that. And uh, I guess my last question, uh, you, you know what? You don't have to get into it if you don't want to, but just something I'm curious about. You know, we had this whole fiasco uh, report come out about the Washington football team a few weeks ago, you know, about the, you know, the plethora of, you know, sexual assault allegations, you know, uh, women that work for the team dealing with, you know, unwanted, um, unwanted, you know, interactions with people and, you know, and a lot of female, women, you know, female that females that are involved with the NFL, whether reporters or with teams came out saying, you know, all the stuff that they have to deal with. And I was just curious from your perspective, you know, being where you are as a beat writer, you know, how has that been for you? Is that something you think the NFL needs to take a little more seriously? Do we all need to take it more seriously? Uh, you know, is that something that kind of is something you just, you know, when you wake up in the morning, you're like, oh, I'm going to have to deal with this, that, and other, but I'm going to keep going. Is, this, is it like that? Or, you know, what's that experience been like for you? Oh, I was not expecting that question, but uh, it's I a know, good hey, question. He threw me a we talk about every, We talk about everything on here. So. This, is, this is hard-hitting journalism on this uh, podcast. We, yeah, we go a wide, a wide range. Man, no, I can tell. We went from Junior Galette to, to talking about <laughs> women in the women in the NFL. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. 
Hey, I'm, I'm here for it. Look, I, I will say I, when it comes to the actual locker room setting, I've been covering the NFL for 12, I was about to say 12 years, since 2012. In the, in the locker room, I've never had a player treat me as anything other than a reporter. When I say that, like, yeah, if, if players mad, I've, I've had players mad at me. I've had players not want to talk to me. I've had players uh, pissed at all of us, but that's fine. Just if, if you're pissed at one of us, then and if you're mad at me because you're irritated with something I did as a just general reporter, like that's cool because you're treating me the same as you treat anyone else. And so I feel lucky in that aspect that, you know, I've never had a problem going into the locker room because I'm in the locker room or used to be five days a week, you know, five days a week, 17, 18, 19 weeks out of the year, more than that. I mean, that's a lot of time you spend there and you do, you get to know the players as human beings, which why is one of the reasons I do kind of advocate for that setting because it's so much better than just doing these conversations on zoom when everyone's listening and you can't banter about stuff. But um, the other part of your question is that there are a lot of things that women face as sports reporters that we don't talk about. And it's just kind of a, you know, keep your head up or chin up and you just keep going because number one, we never want to be the story. I think all reporters, almost all reporters will say that. Um, some won't say that, but those aren't, those generally aren't very respected reporters when they try to make lions, not naming any names. <laughs> oh, we, we, we name names on here, but it's okay. You can continue. <laughs> not, I'm not naming any names. I'm just saying some people act like that. Um, uh, man, now you just made me lose my train of thought. Um, also because when people do come out and go public with incidents, then usually when you look at social media, a lot of times they're either not believed or they, they made it up or you want to just, you want to exist in this world, this weird world, like everyone else and do your job like everyone else. And I can tell you every single female reporter I know in the NFL has some story of something that happened that we just kind of just don't say anything. And it's not yeah. just the NFL. It's just kind of this sports world in general i mean I, I don't know if y'all saw the story from my friend joan neeson when she was talking about how darius geis um yeah. threatened her when she was trying to mm-hmm. start about him well yeah, i read that yeah i knew about that when it happened so that was three years ago and the reason we don't and people will say well, why didn't you say anything well first of all it wasn't you tried, your story. yeah it's kind of like yeah. is it like you're not it's not your story to tell type of thing well, yeah, but they, they meant, I meant for like her, they, they're, well, why didn't you say anything when it happened? Because you try to say, okay, well, maybe this player doesn't like me doing a story about his family. Maybe he's having a really bad day. Maybe he yeah. just has a temper, you know, we've all, we all have our stuff. Yeah. I'm just going to let it go because why would I make a big incident about that? And this is saying that because you don't know you don't know anything else that's going on in that player's life. It's kind of the thing with junior. You think that you know a player and you don't, you know what they present to the media and to the public eye, but you don't know them. And I'd say that's true for almost any player. After 
all the stuff with junior i i always made sure to say i think this player is a nice guy or i think mm-hmm. he's like this mm. i i think yeah. because we don't know i mean even I, i'm throwing out names and i'm not comparing any of them but even darren sharper you know not only fooled media members but the people around him oh, every day yeah so you just you don't always know so we try not to make one incident you know into a big thing like if a player's angry at me okay well you know that's just the business but um yeah so there's a lot of stuff we don't say because we don't want to jeopardize any part of our career and I think it's good it's being talked about more but I don't know I think as far as what the NFL can do I, I don't know when it comes to specific stuff like what happened with the Washington team that was you know a deep rooted problem in an organization that's part of the league I don't know what you would do as far as reporters that have incidents but they're not affiliated with the team I don't know how you fix that I mean because yeah I don't know I don't know yeah it's it's like a balance because you want your reporters to get deep access and you know and build rapports with players and team members and stuff like that but at the same time you want them to feel you know protected and and uh and safe like just safe like any other person expects to be you know what i'm saying uh and uh, you know just like you said with you know it's like you just really don't know with a lot of these people and you know you know we could we can really understand it as you know black men in america when you're trying to explain yourself and say Hey, I dealt with this. This is the problem. This is the problem I dealt with. And people are like, oh, well, maybe it was this. Well, maybe he just thought you, you know, looked at Shady with a hoodie on, or maybe. And it's like, I'm trying to explain my experience to you, but nobody wants to hear it. So, you know, that connects with a lot of, you know, all of us in America, you know, are dealing with certain things, whether it's being a woman, being black, being Hispanic, being you know, lesbian, gay, you know, trans, whatever, you know, everybody's dealing with something, you know, and, uh, but I just wanted to kind of shed that light since you, like, you were the first female uh, guest we had. I just want to kind of talk about that. No, I didn't know that. I was the uh, first uh, female reporter you've had on. I'm, I feel yeah. like breaking, but, breaking barriers. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's, you're so right. It's, uh, I'm glad you brought it up. Um, I just, I'm very, I keep a lot of this stuff to myself. Like I, I just, I'm always, if, if stuff happens, I don't want the world at large to know about it. And I'm not the only one. And I always joke, one, I always joke, you know, one day if I ever quit this job, I'm just going to write a book. And, but mm. any, anyone could say that it's, it's just, I don't know. You just keep your head down you just keep going. But, um, I love I love this job and wouldn't I the, the good outweighs the bad by by so much and I've built so many great relationships with so many awesome people that I never would have known or met or had the chance to know uh, otherwise and I don't know there's something very cool about that that this sport brings us all together and yeah I don't know it's uh it's it's pretty cool I I love it. It's uh, wouldn't do anything else. So what? What would 
I'll leave on this note to anyone who's like listening to the to the podcast, whether you're female or just you know you love sports and you want to get into journalism. Like, what advice would you give to someone who like is that's their passion and they they want to make this their career? Tough because even in my eight years or so of doing this or ten years, uh, things have changed so much. I yeah. um, I would say. I'm trying thinking um, the way uh, the way I'll, I'll quickly sum up how uh, I guess things happened for me. Um, I just tried to get my name out there as much as I can. I did. I got involved as much as I can. When I was in college, I went and worked. I worked for the college newspaper at LSU. I spent every Friday night in the fall driving an hour to New Orleans to cover random high school football games, and it was the hardest thing I'd ever covered at the time because I didn't know what I was doing and I thought if I just keep doing this they'll see how committed I am to it and maybe they'll see something in me and I I actually got my first internship because when I was a sophomore in college they had sign-up sheets um, for newspapers to come in and interview the students that worked in student media and I I went and interviewed even though I knew I would get it or thought I wouldn't and I was like, well, you know what? They'll just know my name and maybe next year I'll get it. Well, I actually ended up getting the Times-Picayune internship covering LSU football that year. And I found out years later by the guy that became my boss that I did not nail that interview. He said, <laughs> my interview sucked. But I, <laughs> yeah, I was like, thanks. Great. I, he's like, you were nervous. And I'm like, well, of course I was nervous. And you're sitting here throwing questions at me I can't answer. He said, well, we knew you could write. So that's, so we gave you a shot anyway. And same guy next year gave me a shot uh, or two years later, gave me a shot when the times Picayune started hiring people. And I just always said yes to everything. And I could cover weird sports like horse racing and double as a football rider. Don't sleep on your horse racing, yeah. horse racing uh, coverage. You... Yeah, that got me my job. Yeah, it got me my job because I so, could cover so do you actually like horse racing like or is yes. that just, oh, okay no, just, right. no i do i do okay. I, it's so random but but uh that was why i got my job they did not want to hire a full-time horse racing rider anymore i could cover football too so they had me do that and oh so you were like the the Taysom. yeah yeah <laughs> I, yes that's like 120th as talented as, <laughs> you're the <laughs> like the Taysom, the Taysom light. But uh, yeah, they promoted me a year later to Saints beat writer, which is so funny thinking back because when they hired me for the paper, they wanted me to be a general sports writer, you know, and they, I, I said, well, maybe the LSU job. And they said, no, you're not going to get that. And he said, also don't bother applying for the Saints job. Like, you definitely wouldn't get that and at the time. You know, I'm 22. I'm, I'm like, of course I wouldn't get the same job. Wow. I'm 22 years old. Like, I'm not even thinking about that. And a year later, I had that job. So life is very unexpected in how it turns and gets you places to where you never thought you'd be. But yeah, just say yes to everything. Put your name out there as much as you can because networking means everything in this business. And just keep writing. Um, <clears throat> even if you start your own website to do it, just somehow get your name out there. And it's hard these days 
but it's also a lot of opportunity available because wow. things are changing so much in this business every day that what didn't work last year might work now, but um, yeah, I guess, you know, that's all I got, but you know, I'm on Twitter all the time. So if people ever want <laughs> my advice, I uh, send me a tweet, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll probably see it. <laughs> I don't know well, if they do, but. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Kat. We it was a great conversation, and it was. Uh, Thanks like, for having me. This is fun. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we do okay. Um, <laughs> but no, truly, thank you for coming. I, I mean, I've known you going what six, seven years, which is kind of like known, you know, known in the in a general general term. Um, but still, that's just that's just what the Saints can can do for yeah. you know its fans and having a connection with beat reporters and writers is I think it's truly a connection unlike any other fan base has in any other type of sport. So uh, thanks. You can follow Kat on Twitter. Is it at Catherine Terrell? It's Kat, It's actually Terrell. So it's Kat. Oh. Terrell. Yeah. I'll okay. To you there. It's okay. Um, Sorry. You should have sent me the little pronunciation. <laughs> like, uh, a media, like a media guy. <laughs> yeah. They already <laughs> They already follow you, like, trust me. All the followers follow you. It's... I don't know. People get so fed up with how much I tweet. They're, they, like, probably unfollow me in disgust and then, like, refollow me once. Uh, I feel like you don't even... I still, I still follow you when you were coming to Bengals. Like, I, I know. I couldn't believe I did not get blocked. Unfollowed. Yeah, I, I was like, I oh thought my about it. I thought about it. I thought I felt, about it. I felt honored. I, I was like, he didn't block me or unfollow me. I thought about it for a minute, but I was like, you know what? She'll be back. She's coming back. Hey, they <laughs> always, they always come back. And I did. It only took me, it only took me three years. It's man, it's home. <laughs> So anyway, you don't have to follow Catherine because everyone always always follow her. But thank you so much for coming on, um, and we'll see we'll, we'll see how, we'll see how the season goes. I guess <laughs> I guess. Um, another episode of hashtag Thanks for the podcast done. Uh, you can follow Ryan on Twitter at that boy wolf. Don't follow me; it's pointless. Um, <laughs> what's that? We're out. Already blocked. Already <laughs> done. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.